Welcome to the In the Money Players podcast. This is the Friday, February 17th edition. Nick Tamro here. I am not PTF. I'm deputizing for PTF, who is healing up from a little uh, wound that he incurred. We'll have him talk more about it on air, but his face is not, of course, the charming, bright version of it that you're used to seeing. So instead, you're getting mine for the next 40 minutes or so. And we've got a good show coming up. We're going to touch on a couple of stakes races at Louisiana at uh, Fairgrounds as part of the Risen Star card, the Road to the Derby at uh, Fairgrounds includes the, that Risen Star in a 13-race program. Also going to talk a little bit about Santa Anita and a little Japan racing action a little bit later. First up, joining me, Dean Kepler. Dean has done a lot of work for us of late at InTheMoneyPodcast.com, covering Santa Anita. Dean, how you doing? Nick, I'm doing good. It's good to be here with you. Yeah, great to have you. So we're going to talk a little bit about Santa Anita, where obviously you've been focusing for quite some time now and doing a great job uh, with your handicapping there. Uh, but of course, with these two big races, is on the road to the Derby coming up on Saturday afternoon in New Orleans. We wanted to at least touch on them and give some thoughts. The first of those is race 12, the Rachel Alexandra for Phillies going a mile and a 16th on the main track. And, and I don't know about you, Dean, but I've gotten a little frustrated with all the rage being about who's your Philly and not so much because I think there's anything wrong with her. And I think she's obviously shown to be a horse with a great deal of talent, but you look through this field and I wonder even how big a favorite she's going to be, let alone that it's some type of fate accompli that she wins. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's a short field. I mean, she's been training lights out, but uh, you know, at six to five morning line, you know, I think this is, you know, if there's a chance that you're going to try to beat her, uh, you know, I think it's going to be in this spot here. And uh, that's certainly what I, you know, my, my intentions are here. Yeah. This is her comeback spot as a three-year-old first start of the year after going three for three last year. She was very impressive in winning the golden rod on closing weekend at Churchill. What did you think in terms of alternatives to her from a betting perspective? Nick, you know, I'm going to take a shot here with uh, number one, Vava, with uh, Louis, Louis Saez coming in for the mount. You know, if you watch her last race, she had a horrible trip. She almost fell. She went right down to her knees there. It was the first, first time going long. She was a beaten favorite in that spot. Um, you know, you know, at eight to one, you know, I'm hoping to get six to one in here, but you know, I think that's a, a nice alternative to Hoosier Philly. Um, so I'm going to, you know, give a shot here with the one here, Vava. Uh, like I said, coming off that horrible trip, Brent to go along by gun runner and, you know, gets a nice inside post and, uh, you know, she's going to be my pick in here. I like it. I thought the one that I was going to try was pretty mischievous, who I know was beaten by Hoosier Philly two starts back. I thought she took the worst of it kind of tripwise there wide both turns. Looks like a Philly that one of the problems that three-year-old Phillies run into, three-year-old Colts run into it also, is if they're a little ahead of the curve as two-year-olds, they might not have that advantage once everybody turns three. And it felt like in the comeback race, which really wasn't her comeback, it was, it was still in her two-year-old season, but it felt like pretty mischievous might be poised to take a real step forward with that win in the untappable. So it'll be interesting to see how things shake out in that Rachel Alexandra, which goes as race 12. The featured event on the card is the 13th, the Risen Star with a post time of 7.14 Eastern time. Boy, Dean, this is a grab bag. Where did you land? Oh, you know, it's, listen, you got a, uh... Brad Cox has got three entries. Steve Asmussen with three entries. So take your pick in here. Um, I actually went, you know, to one of the Brad Cox winners, number eight, Tappet's Conquest. He comes out of a short field, but I just like the way um, this Colt, this Tappet Colt was not giving up along the rail. He, he just was, you know, making up ground deep in the stretch. He was kind of in a, like a tight spot there. wasn't intimidated. And, you know, I just think as as the distance uh, increases here, he looks like the horse that can handle the mile and an eighth. Uh, he's making a second start off the bench. And, 
that's the one Brad Cox I, I think I'm going to go to. Six to one morning line. I'm all in on Tappet's Conquest. Um, as an alternative, I, you know, a, a horse that's going to be a price here, number seven, Sun Thunder. Um, he's off of Step Slow last time. I think he's going to like the mile and eighth uh, for Ken Peak. Uh, 15 to one morning line. He's come back with a nice, nice work since then. And, you know, that's going to be my price place underneath. But, uh, you know, I'm all in on the, the Brad Cox, uh, the Brad, Brad Cox one here, Tappet's Conquest number eight. It's a fun race with a lot of contention. Of course, the most fancied runner likely, although I see a lot of chatter about Tappet's Conquest, is, is almost certainly going to be the 13 victory formation, who really ensures that this race is going to be run at a strong early pace, being drawn on the outside, given the style that he's shown so far. That will help your pick. It'll also help mine. I'm going to take the maiden number 12 croupie and I'm going to die on the hill of these New York maiden special weight races being better than people realize. I thought slip Mahoney was a really game winner last time out, but I thought croupie ran well. This is a horse who turned heads in his debut at Saratoga, making sort of a big meaningless late run. And that led to him being over bet in his next start. He's really just hitting his stride now at a mile and an eighth or so. And I think it's a pretty cagey move by Todd Pletcher running him here, knowing that he's a horse who really is helped by distance. I think he'll be helped by the pace as well. And, and I don't think he lacks a great amount of seasoning and foundation, especially running against some horses that have been posting speed figures very similar uh, to the best one that he did, which was in his last start. So Kruby for me and Tappet's Conquest for Dean in the Risen Star. Again, a really fun edition of that. Let's get over to Santa Anita for the late pick five, which begins in race five. Post time for that is going to be at 529 Pacific time. And Dean, we're going to go a mile and an eighth on the turf course. How are we going to get things started? Yeah, Nick, uh, start off his first leg of the pick five. Um, I went to number four, Harper's Gallop. Uh, just missed by a long last trip. Uh, you know, he had a tough trip in that race. He was forced to check past the half mile marker there. Um, I think the seven-year-old mare, galloped, she galloped out strongly past the winner, um, if, you know, to go back and watch the replay. And uh, my selection in here is 416. I also gave Whistler Styler, uh, the one a chance to uh, switch into Hernandez here. He makes his uh, comeback race after a couple month layoff. No um, real uh, opinion here. I went 416, but uh, my top pick, like I said, is the four. But, you know, if you could spread a little bit in here, I, you know, I would encourage to do so. Yeah, I wanted to use the four and five. I was a little intrigued by Quora. I don't love the morning line price of three to one. I'd want a little bit better odds on this horse, especially given that, that she's been an astronomical price in each of her last four starts. We talk about a horse that was just way over her head last time out. Those two other than optional claimers are much better than her. I was really surprised with how well she ran two back at Del Mar against a field that I would consider to be comparable to this one. And, uh, and last time out, she, she took the worst of it tripwise, wide around the first turn, ended up getting shuffled out around the turn. And really, her race was over at that point. That was kind of as the baton was being passed to, to some of the back markers. TikTok Famous tried to wire the field, but set a strong pace in doing so. This just felt like a class play to me with Quora. But I thought, uh, like you, that Harper's Gallop was very much the horse to beat. I think I'd be comfortable getting things started with those two. Let's go on to leg number two, which is race number six. This is the $20,000 maiden claimers at five and a half furlongs on the main track. We've got a big field here, Dean. I'll start by saying I thought the 710th Street Don was very interesting dropping in class for Vladimir Sarin. He faced a considerably tougher field last time out. Adds blinkers after a very slow start from the gate. This is a horse that has had gate problems in almost every single start, and I'm wondering if maybe 
putting the blinkers back on could help. He had gate issues when he wore blinkers before, so I'm not altogether confident, but I do think he did some running last time out in a race that really was ruined for him at the start, and then he got no pace set up whatsoever. Another long shot who I wanted to include that, that I think really does have a look in here is the nine mastermind. He might be a better turf horse, all things considered, but it's very hard to judge his dirt races based on the fact that they came against considerably tougher competition. He's now a new gelding for Lorenzo Ruiz with uh, Edwin Maldonado getting on. I'm kind of a sucker for cutbacks anyway, and I think he's a horse who's more suited to sprinting. But contention goes deep in here. I would definitely use the eight. We're going to have a good time as well in a pretty tough second leg of this sequence. Where are you going? Yeah, Nick, I mean, these, you know, these bottom level 20,000 main claimers are tough. And, you know, uh, depending on your pick five budget, it's, it's, you know, it's always best to spread in here because, you know, uh, you get these horses that jump up and win that, you know, you may not have on smaller tickets. Um, I'm, I'm actually with you. I'm definitely going to use the seven, the seven on my ticket, 10th Street Don with the addition of blinkers. I think he's, you know, probably going to be decent price in here. Uh, you also mentioned the eight. Who finished a decent second when dropped down to this level on his last start uh, back in the end of December. Uh, if you're a buyer speed speed figure guy, he earned the field's best last out buyer, uh, which is something to be said for in this race. And I think a similar try uh, would make this gelding uh, pretty tough in this spot this afternoon. I also included number one, Honeymoon Suite. He goes turf to dirt, makes a second start off the bench, uh, dropping in class for Mullins, who's having an excellent meet. And, uh, you know, like I said, I think this is a a spread deep race here if you can afford to do so. So it's eight one five. About it. I'm eight, sorry, eight, eight one, one five. In uh, leg number two, let's go on to race number seven. We head back to the turf course a mile this time around. Rail is at 20 feet for Saturday's racing. These are 62.5 down to 50 maiden claimers. We got a number of class droppers in here, Dean. Where did you land when all was said and done? Nick, this, this race, you know, I'm going to take a stand here as my single in, you know, the late pick five. And that's going to be uh, with the five to two choice, uh, cheekiest. Ed's Lasix today goes first off the claim for trainer Mike Puppy. Um, doing a little trainer stats here. Uh, they're five for nine, 56% with a lofty uh, 613 ROI. The past two years were first off the claim runners on grass. So cheekiest is going to be my single in here. Uh, I think it was, you know, she was a much improved third, which stretched out last time. You know, and I'm all I'm actually all in on her uh, for the multi exotics. Uh, she's going to be my single, but turn the backups, perhaps uh, six, one, two, nothing uh, entirely creative underneath. Yeah, I thought the horses that you wanted to use were uh, for me were Fayette Fox and Cheekiest, the one in six. Um, you mentioned picking at 612. I'm not exactly sure what went on throughout Fayette Fox's debut, but she just never traveled all that comfortably after they crossed the dirt. So once they got to the dirt, she got a little wonky. Um, she she bobbled. And I mean, one thing I've noticed is that uh, there are a lot of trouble lines in Southern California racing that really aren't as significant as they might look. But this was a situation where, you know, I don't know if she took a bad step on the turn. It just didn't feel like she traveled well after she bobbled. I don't know if maybe it was a little bit equipment related or what, but Doug O'Neill stretching her out. I think she'll benefit from having the experience and I can see her running better. I agree with you completely. And I've always liked my pipey off the claim as far as cheekiest goes. So one in six for me in race number seven, we go to the eighth, which is at seven furlongs on the main track and an interesting group coming together here of some horses that each uh, couple of whom had a dance on the uh, Oaks trail last year. Um, and that includes ain't easy and a dare manner, uh, both of whom did run in some graded stakes races 
early in their three-year-old season. I thought ultimately when push came to shove, it was going to be one of those two. I guess I slightly favor ain't easy. I know Teddy's Barino has run races that are good enough to win. I'm just a little skeptical of whether she's going to be ready off that short layoff. It is a drop in class. Um, considerably coming out of a grade three event. But I thought Ain't Easy was interesting coming out of the La Brea where she set the pace. That was obviously a race run at a, a relatively solid early clip. Fun to Dream and Kirsten Bosch have both come back to uh, to win graded stake races since then. So something to be said about that. I'll pick Ain't Easy. I'll end up using a Dare Manor as an A as well. And I'll probably have Teddy's Barino prominently as a backup. Yeah, Nick, I, you know, I'm kind of in agreement with the same three horses here. I think, uh, Anybody outside of those would be certainly be a surprise. Uh, Adair Manor comes off a five-month layoff for Baffert, dropping out of a blink one, takes the blinkers off today, cuts back to seven furlongs. I'm not sure uh, seven furlongs is um, her preferred distance, but, you know, I think on the comeback here, she's training well, gets Hernandez, you know, um, coming out of some top-graded stake races. I think she's a must-use in here. And then, you know, the, the, the two from Mark Clackbarn, uh, Teddy's Barino and Ain't Easy. Uh, I'm sorry, Ain't Easy with Phil D'Amato uh, are certainly ones you have to use in here. But like I said, outside of those three, um, I would be tough to use anybody else. Agreed. That is a look at race eight. Let's go to the nightcap, the wishing well down the hill at about six and a half furlongs. Brings together a number of horses that we saw slug it out in the Las Cienegas back on January 2nd. I had a problem that day figuring out who was going to go to the lead. I have a problem figuring out who's going to go to the lead in this race, Dean. Who do you think we can close out the sequence with here? Uh, Nick, I think, you know, uh, I think Bay Storm to four, uh, I think is going to get the lead in this spot. Uh, she cuts back to a sprint today off two recent in the money finishes, grade three competition. And she just looks like the type to me that's going to relish the, you know, the downhill course. Uh, she makes a third start off the bench. Drops in class, and I, I, you know, I think she's a solid choice in the nightcap here. Alternatives, uh, I don't have anything fancy. I like Big Summer second. Uh, perhaps a little bit of a price would be Stella Noor on the rail. Uh, she comes off a nice win and more recent start, returning off a Fremont uh, layoff. Uh, this mare was warmer up in this event last year, and I, you know, I think she should be uh, have a nice ground saving trip there and be uh, making up some ground late. So, for me, in the nightcap, it's a four six one. Hopefully, Baystorm gets the front. I think uh, I think it should be able to in this spot here, and uh, perhaps go wire to wire. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna be as belligerent as possible and take Eddie's new dream again. I picked Eddie's new dream last time. I lost the coast to coast pick five that day because I singled her and, um, and she really had no excuse when second to big summer. I just think that this might be a situation where Mario can get her a little bit more engaged early. That's my hope. She lost a little ground coming down the hill last time out. And that was enough to keep her from being able to run down big summer who admittedly ran a vastly improved race. And that first three weeks or so of the Santa Anita me, Carla Gaines's barn was going very, very well. Um, not that she's tapered off quite a bit since then, but I do think that Eddie's new dream is in a good enough spot. She's been at her best when she's gotten closer to the pace as well, just as she did when she won that Calbred race last fall here at Santa Anita. I bet Countess Rosina last time out. I thought she was a just a really interesting horse coming off that win at Del Mar where she just barreled past them on the inside into a relatively moderate pace, all things considered. She was disappointing last time out. I don't think I can go back there and try and make things right. I agree with you on Bay Storm being very dangerous from a pace perspective. Jonathan Thomas, who otherwise has great stats, has these bizarrely terrible numbers cutting horses back in distance. But I do think 
that this is a situation where doing so might actually really be beneficial to her. So I'm going to give her a pass in uh, in terms of that and hope that she's forwardly placed under Kazushi Kimura. That's a look at the wishing well. Anything else to add there or anywhere else, Dean? No, I don't think so. I guess, uh, you know, going back to the, you know, the fairgrounds, uh, I just want to, you know, make a mention of the Lasix factor again, which is, you know, just brings more of a puzzle into that race with a bunch of, you know, competitive development, three-year-olds. So, you know, it really is a mad scramble in there. And, you know, I would advise our uh, listeners to, you know, to take a price, you know, if you like somebody in the price in there, why not? That's that's the truth, especially in a risen star with 14 horses in it. There are plenty of options. No question about it. Dean, thanks so much. Been fun. We'll definitely have to do it again. Sounds good, Dick. Good luck this weekend. I'd like to thank Dean Kepler for joining me to take a look at this Santa Anita pick five and a couple of spots at fairgrounds up next. We will be heading to the Far East. Next up on the Friday Players podcast, we have Klaus Ebner here to kick off our JRA coverage for 2023. This has been a lot of fun over the years on the network, and we're looking forward to a lot of great racing throughout the year. Klaus, welcome in. Great to see you again. Hey, Nick. How's it going? Going great. And, you know, this is a big weekend, obviously, to get things going. Tell us a little bit about uh, what we have to look forward to, all of us here uh, on the In The Money Media Network. Yeah, so it's the first day back for the JRA races, at least for us here in North America. It is the running of the grade one February stakes. And it's this interesting one because usually, you know, we don't have much to speak about on the undercard for the JRA racing, but this is one day where we do. We actually have the highest in stake, which is actually one of the Derby prep races in Japan. So the road to the Derby through the, the Japan side. So it's always interesting. So we always kind of see, you know, well, hey, who, who can we possibly see, maybe see down the road? Uh, for horses that are running racing under Japan, maybe there in the first Saturday of May. Uh, you know, we had a Japan horse, Japanese horse last year in the form of Crown Pride. So, hey, you know what? Um, it's all could also possibly be a form reference later on down the road in terms of saying, oh, hey, you know what? I, I saw a horse race in Japan and, you know, maybe a shot, maybe not a shot. But again, we'll, we'll see. Um, so, again, we have that on the undercard, which is interesting. Uh, always interesting with the three-year-olds on dirt. Uh, but Really, the story for us has been, at least here in Canada, waving that Canadian flag right now for Woodbine, is the fact that uh, Cheryl Spite will be running in the February Stakes, which is the big grade one event, a mile on the dirt at Tokyo. So looking forward to see what he can do uh, this year. It isn't the, uh, I'm not going to say horrible field, but it's not the most uh, talented field of horses that he's going to face off against. So, you know, if, if the Cheryl Spite that has the turf form shows up, he may have a shot against some of these horses in Japan. Now, this mile is uh, it's obviously on dirt at Tokyo. And uh, what is the configuration like? Yeah, so it's it's going to be a one-turn. It's a one-turn uh, mile of the distance. So that's why, you know, and, and it's, it's also left-handed. So it I really it shouldn't be. Exactly, yeah. So, you know, the, the only, I guess, concern that Cheryl Spite may have is just obviously that the, the ship, which is, you know, shipping from Canada all the way over to Japan and what that's taken out of the horse. But, you know, Everything on face value so far appears fine. The horse looks to be okay, uh, has trained well so far, and it's been all green lights. So I guess the big question, again, is just if, if the horse can actually handle the, you know, it, it is a different surface there in Japan, Nick. So it's more of a sandy surface as opposed to, a you know, what we'll see here in, in North America with that traditional dirt surface. But for the most part, you know, we've seen horses from North America go over to Japan and win before. So I'm not putting a pastoral spite to put a, a very good effort here. Yeah, I remember last year reading that Chuck Fipke is pretty intent on trying to get Cheryl Spite a graded stake win on dirt, believing that he'd be a, a super marketable stallion if he's able to get that. And and quite honestly, I mean, he's run well enough in some domestic dirt races uh, here in, Amer- in in the States and in uh, 
Kennedy's obviously not running the dirt, but he's run exceptionally well on turf. It's it's really admirable, I think, to see a, a horse like uh, like Cheryl Spite try this kind of objective. And, and I'm for anything that's out of the box anyway. So very good to see. He's also going to be partnered by uh, not a Japan regular, but obviously a, a popular jockey in that part of the world in Jao Marrera. Yeah, for sure. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, the Magic Man, as we I think we all know him Magic being called. Man, yeah. uh, that's right. Yeah. But, you know, that's more of the Green Bay Packers reference. But the magic man for horse racing is undoubtedly Jean Marrera. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, he, uh, you know, definitely nothing wrong with that one. He's ridden to Japan before, so he's no stranger to riding in Japan. And, and again, it's just, like I said, I think the fact that there's no real world beaters in this race this year, uh, he has a shot to, to hit the board. I'm not going to say he's going to win, but because, again, it is a it is an ask to ask a horse to ship all the way across to Japan and, and try to win a race against some of these horses who, like I said, they're not they're not the cream of the crop in my opinion there are some in here that you know you could say uh are, are standouts on prior form in the form of horse like for instance red lazelle red lazelle was for those who don't remember he was he finished twice uh second twice rather in the dubai golden shaheen which is the sprint race He's, this is not really his distance he wants a little bit shorter than this in terms of the mile but again there's no world world breeders in here so he'll probably be one of the favorites in, uh, here on saturday well, given the way the Japanese Raiders have absolutely torched us over the years, it would be nice to get one back in the wind column in many ways. Klaus, tell us a little bit about the uh, ways in which our the majority of our audience can bet on Japan racing. It is available wide scale on every ADW, right? That's correct. Yeah. So it would be available, obviously, here in Canada through HBI Bet, as well as, you know, for the most part, you'll see it through FanDuel slash TBG, whatever you want to call it, uh, Twin Spires, Express Bet, and again, all the, all the rest of the partners that are here available uh, in Canada. Uh, in, sorry, North America. So, um, but, you know, again, so if, if we are looking back at the field, Nick, it's just, you know, if we want to look at some of the other contenders, I know we kind of talked about a lot about uh, Cheryl Spike because that's the horse we know. But uh, in terms of other horses in here, there is a sort of up and coming horse in Japan called Dry Stout. Uh, this is a four year old cult by Sinister Minister, uh, second last time out in an allowance race. Uh, the one thing is that this horse is two for two uh, over the, the surface of Tokyo. So that's what I'm looking at right now. I think that. You know, of, of the main challengers in here, I think that that's one we can look at as as the main challengers. Um, you know, again, it's just one of the, there's a lot of, you know, question marks in this field if we're looking at the field itself. Um, the, the favorite probably in here, in Japan at least, will be Lemon Pop, uh, five-year-old uh, son of Lemon Drop Kid out of a Giants Cosmo Mare, seven for eight at Tokyo. Uh, again, another one who may not want to go this far in regards to the distance of, of a mile, but... Uh, you see a lot of ones in the in the PPs there for Lemon Pop. Uh, had some issues earlier on in his career. They thought he kind of be, would be the next big horse, and he did show in the last race and then the, the Nagishi Stakes at Tokyo over uh, seven furlongs. I think, in my opinion, he's probably the one to beat. But again, just that distance question for me will always be the the big one here there for for Lemon Pop. The tentacles of the Godolphin operation extend even beyond those where those of us think um, he they own Lemon Pop. I, I thought it was interesting that uh, TM South Dan is trained by uh, Maziabina, former rider. I'm guessing right former former champion jockey. I was actually at Belmont 22 years ago when he won his first race in in America back in I think it was June of 2000. So pretty pretty incredible. He had a, st a short stint here during the summer. I think that year. Yeah, again, and, and Abina is pretty much like one of the, you know, he, he was he's long in the tooth guy, but uh, yeah, he's just a very classy individual with Masaoshi Abina. So yeah, definitely he's one to look out for. Um, and, and, you know, again, in, in terms of other ones in here, like I said, I, I mentioned Red Lazelle, he'll be one that should be coming in late. He's a late, you know, he's a late closer in here. 
Um, so, you know, if you are searching for a price and you're not a fan of any of those horses in here, Nick, you, you can, you know, you, you may be able to land a price, you know, maybe in the form of a horse that's a kind of developing four-year-old in the form of uh, Sekifu who, you know, did race in, over in Saudi in the uh, Saudi Derby. Something we remember, remember from last year in the Saudi Derby. So he finished second that day, kind of a, kind of an on and off type horse uh, that may, again, pop up on the weekend at a, at a very big price. Well, it'll be a lot of fun to see that plus the hyacinth, which uh, Klaus mentioned is going to go as the ninth race on the card that does offer up some Kentucky Derby points. And Hey, we all have crown pride to thank in some ways for uh, rich strikes victory last year. Cause he went out and juiced up that pace with summers tomorrow and made sure things got pretty quick. So great to see the Japan influence throughout the world, um, which we've obviously been treated to quite a bit more in just the last couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. And again, it's just, I think the biggest thing we can say is that we know that more and more, you know, you can see it in some of the highest in stakes as well. Uh, in some of the the, the two, three, uh, the three-year-old rather in that race, you know, you, you see a few American breads. There's a few that are in there by into mischief that are actually American breads. So more and more, the European and primarily the, the American influence is really starting to, to take hold in Japan. You know, we're seeing a lot of sons and daughters buy a lot of great horses that we're used to. You know, like Princess of Silmar. Wavell Avenue. Again, you can go on and on and on. Azari's there as well. So, you know, all these American bloodlines and mares we're so used to are all being shipped over to Japan as well as, you know, we're now seeing the the offspring of some of these sires as well in the form of Dreyfong, Mind Your Biscuits. So these are all pedigrees that us in North America are very, very familiar with. So it should never be a challenge to kind of understand, okay, well, who is this horse by? Who's, who's the sire? You for the most part, you're going to see a lot of them and understand, okay, yeah, you know, can a son of Intermission get a mile? Yeah, no problem. So, you know, it's just one of those things where you can look at the form and the PPs and, and the pedigrees of the horses and kind of get a rough idea in terms of where they stand. Yeah, undoubtedly fun to see and makes it really relatable, I think, for a North American audience. So, Klaus, great to connect with you and get things kicked off for the, uh, the JRA meet. Everybody can look forward to seeing you here on a regular basis. Thanks very much, Nick. Yeah, so the first race will be at uh, around 8 o'clock on, on Saturday with a big race going off at around 1.40 a.m. Uh, Eastern time, at least. Uh, so it'll be Saturday night slash Sunday morning for the big race. The smart money is on you still being awake to watch that race live. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's the even money favorite. No pro problem for that one. <laughs> That's not a bet that we're willing to take. Klaus Ebner, <laughs> thank you so much. We really appreciate it. And uh, again, thanks to our friends at the Japan Racing Association and, and Woodbine at, through HPI. Very much looking forward to another successful year here in 2023. Thanks, Nick. Take care. That's going to do it for this edition of the In the Money Players podcast. Glad to have filled in for PTF as he continues to convalesce after his unfortunate spill in the house. Fortunately, nothing happened too terribly bad, and he will be back at it. He'll be back at it audio style the entire weekend and uh, going into next week. Be sure to go to our YouTube page, In the Money Media. Take a look at what we've got there in terms of uh, content dealing with the Triple Crown Trail. Uh, recaps each week and a ton more plenty to take in there at YouTube. And of course, on the website in the money podcast.com, you've been listening to both myself and Dean, our selections and analysis for uh, places like Santa Anita and aqueduct are available. We've also got Gulfstream and Oakland content on a regular basis. Going to have a big show on the plus side for the card at uh, fairgrounds featuring the risen star. So go ahead and stop there. Thanks so much for listening and watching whichever way you took it in. And until next time, best of luck.
just me 